Chaitanya Charitamrita ki jai Jai Shri Lai Si Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada ki jai Shri Bhakti Raghshak Shri Dev Goswami Maharaj ki jai Shri Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur Prabhupada ki jai Shri Bhakti Vinod Parivar ki jai Shri Krishna Kaviraj Goswami Mahasaya ki jai Reading from Chaitanya Charitamrita Madhulila Chapter 19 Subject of this chapter is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Instructions Swami at Prayag. So we've been reading from the text, and as you know, Chaitanya Charitamrita is principally written in, in, in Bengali, but to support the statements that he makes in his own vernacular, he cites Sanskrit verses as evidence, pramana, from various scriptures, principally Srimad Bhagavatam. In this chapter, many of the Sanskrit verses that are quoted by Krishna Kaviraj Goswami, however, are from the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Rupa Goswami's book. And he cites them as if Chaitanya Mahaprabhu spoke them to Rupa Goswami. So you can see what Krishna Kaviraj Goswami is, is doing. He's drawing on the wealth of all the literatures that preceded his writing of Chaitanya Charitamrita, which was done at the uh, behest of the Rupsanathan, the elders of Vrindavan, with the blessing of Madan Mohandiri, whose garland fell upon him upon the request of the other devotees that he write about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes. Other uh, biographies of Mahaprabhu had also been written so as I've said before, he wrote, Krishna Skavarasgami Goswami wrote Chaitanya Charitamrita with all such previous literatures at his disposal. So it's it's really the quintessence of the Gaudiya version of teachings. <coughs> so here again, various slokas are cited here and there. We've been discussing slokas from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, original Sanskrit verses of Rupa Goswami, which in his book, of course, he supports with quotes from the Bhagavatam and Padma Purana and other other places. So we heard about the characteristics of uh, of Shuddha Bhakti, of pure devotion, both the, the principal, intrinsic characteristics and the marginal characteristics. We had heard about some emphasis also on the necessity for the witches, as they're called, pisachi, of the desire for karma and jnana to be absent in the heart in order for bhakti itself to, to manifest. And then we heard a nice Bengali verse in which sadhana bhakti was described as that which gives rise to bhava bhakti, and Bhava Bhakti was explained further as that which gives rise to Prem Bhakti. So in, in the Shuddha Bhakti, pure devotion, there are three divisions Sadhana Bhakti, Bhava Bhakti, and Prem Bhakti. The divisions of Sadhana <coughs> Bhakti have been described as Shraddha, initial faith, faith in, in the Lord, and, and as, he's, as he's described in the scriptures and in the saints' representation of that, this is called Shraddha. And Sadhu Sangha, 
we get that shraddha. Of course, we get it from sadhus, but once we get it, then we want to keep their company. So that's the second stage in the context of keeping the company of such sadhus. We find a sadhu who acts as our guru and we learn the practices from him. That's called bhajana kriya. Executing those practices very diligently with a do-or-die type of attitude, then gradually, the context of that practice or sadhana, then unwanted things come to the surface and they're retired. When the principal unwanted things or anarthas are retired, that's called anartha nibriti. All anarthas are not retired until one attains prem, but the principal anarthas, when they're removed, one is free from the burden of their distraction and what not to practice with greater attention and reliance upon the Lord. This is called nishta. And with such type of practice after some time, then attachment, or taste, I should say, ruchi, for the practices comes. And this taste for the practices has a couple of divisions, that being the primary, the first division, in which certain practices depend upon, like the singing and the arctic and so forth, the dressing of the deity being done nicely. In the second stage, a deeper stage, it doesn't matter whether they're off, out of key or uh, out of sync or something, he still finds a, t- a taste in that. So a taste for the practices develops into an attachment for the object of our uh, devotion, Krishna. That's called asakti. This is the last stage then of the sadhana bhakti. And sadhana bhakti again is described in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Although Krishna's Kaviraj doesn't cite the verse here, Prabhupada does in his purport, we discussed this at some length, described as that which gives rise to bhava bhakti. So we can know we've practiced sadhana bhakti when we attain bhava bhakti. That means as we pass through the stage of asakti and our attachment for the object of our love develops, then we cross into bhava bhakti and we in that passing, we, we glimpse our real nature, a particular relationship with Krishna. That's what's cultivated in, in, in bhava-bhakti. Bhava-bhakti <clears throat> has certain symptoms. It's difficult, really, for a neophyte to tell who's on what stage. We should study the stages and try to get some idea, but the maxim that it takes one to know one very much applies in the case of devotional service. But there are some symptoms to bhava-bhakti that are external and more visible. We should look for those. I believe there are nine of those. Shanti, forbearance, like Parikshit Maharaj. Seven days, seven nights, he fasted from food and drink. There's cause for disturbance in such a circumstance, but he was, he was undisturbed. He heard Simon Bhagavatam with rapt attention. Avyartakalatta means, second thing, not, not wanting to waste a moment outside of Krishna's service. Virakti, detachment, like Bharat Maharaj, gave up his whole kingdom. He was, India is named after him, that, that Bharat. 
Eva was hulking them into the forest. Shanti Abhyartakalati Virakti Manasunyata, a kind of a humbleness. Manasunyata, Samutkanta, eagerness. Then Abhyartakalati Samutkanta, then Namagani Sadaduchi, liking to hear about to hear to chant the name of Krishna and Tadgunakke uh, to uh, also liking to discuss the, the qualities of Krishna and Tadvasatistale to like uh, the attraction to live in a holy place where Krishna's performing his pastime performing his pastimes and so forth these are symptoms Bhava Bhakti external symptoms Otherwise, we'll see in a devotee what the Lord causes us to see. And we'll take shelter accordingly of our Gurudev. Then that, that, and that Bhava Bhakti has been described as a ray of the sun of Prem. The analogy doesn't entirely apply because the ray of the sun never becomes the sun. Vishwana Chakravitakar has made that comment. But in the case of Bhava Bhakti, because it is essentially the sun, like the ray is, and the analogy fits, but furthermore, that bhava actually becomes uh, brain. It intensifies. The difference between, like, the Sankhya theory, one element is inside the other, and so forth. In, 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 in this bhakti that we're talking about, in bhava bhakti, brain bhakti, and there were, are developments of brain bhakti also, Whatever is found in the lower stage is found in the higher stage, and so on. So, that Bhava Bhakti is the awakening of the uh, Swarup Shakti, Sudashatva Visheshatma, within the heart of the devotee. It's beyond the Sattva Guna of material nature and the, the, the Lord's nature, Swarup Shakti. This is awakened in the heart. It's eternally existing in the Lord's party cars or eternal associates. They embody a particular type of that love, the friendly love, the parental love, servant love, and so forth. And some uh, potential for that is there within all of us lying dormant. It cannot be actualized, realized, without coming in touch with uh, that, uh, like the drop of water, though it remain a drop unless it connects with the ocean. So the guru is like a channel from the ocean to connect the drop. And so that potential for bhakti, for real bhakti, for bhava and for prayam is uh, realized in connection with the guru parampara. And when it awakens in the heart, it, it's a it's a particular combination of the Lord's Swarup Shakti, the elements of which are Ladini and Sambit. Ladini means joy, ecstasy, potential, and Sambit means the knowing, cognitive aspect. So, one gets uh, self-realization in the, in the Bhava. And then, as I say, Bhava Bhakti is, is, is a cultivation of that Bhava developing into into Prem. And in, it is described in the literature that in this lifetime, 
one jiva can develop up to prem. But there are developments within prem relative to the bhakti of the Buddha Sampradaya that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to distribute. There's a story in Bhagavatam, first canto of Narada Muni's receiving his swarup, realizing his swarup, and changing bodies. He became Narada, and he got his vena. That vena is part of his swarup. It's it's a spiritual thing, instrument, <laughs> not an ordinary vena. But Narada's bhakti in that instance is not the kind of bhakti that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give. It is imbued with Aishwarya. It is not uh, Raga Bhakti. So in that kind of Bhakti, Vaidhi Bhakti, one can go from this body directly into his pure spiritual body. But in Mahaprabhu's teaching, to enter into Vrindavan and Braja Bhakti, one has to take birth where Krishna is performing his pastimes on earth in this manifest Leela. And from there, there's a development of that frame that's not possible within this mortal frame. And in order to experience that development, one has to go to the place where Krishna is performing his pastimes and the association of all his eternal associates that descend along with him. These stages are mentioned here in tonight's text. Premi vidhi kaminam. So he says there are, in Prem, there are progressive steps that increases or intensifies the Prem. And by Nam, they are sneha manpranai raganu ragbhav mahabhav hai. So you might have heard these terms. They're mentioned in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu but only in brief. And perhaps the reason for this is because they are relative only to developments beyond this this lifetime, developments within the Lord's Leela. Therefore, and they're manifested in the Leela in great devotees, they're described at some at, at considerable length in Ujjwal Nilmani, sequel to Bhaktivedanta Sindhu, that deals primarily, really exclusively with uh, with the conjugal love. Not that these developments aren't relative to the other types of of love in Golok. They are in in Shanta Bhakti means neutral love of God, it develops up to just to rati or prem. But uh, in dasya bhakti, therefore Mahaprabhu came, it's mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita, to distribute the four mellows of braj, dasya, sakya, vatsalya, and sringar, or madurja, conjugal love. It's technically called sringar, but Krishna Kaviraj calls it madurja, sweet sweet of the sweet. All of Krishna Leela in Vrindavan is called sweet, Madhurya, compared to Aishwarya, which is his appearance uh, to his devotees whose love is imbued with a sense of his godhood. 
it's all sweet, but sweet amongst the sweet, he says, that is the Sringarasa, he calls it therefore Madhurya. <coughs> so these four types, Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, and Madhurya, they are all part of the Brajlila. Can't go on without all of those. That's why when Gopis and Radha met Krishna and Kurukshetra, he invited them to come with them, with him, back to Dwarka and marry him. They were opposed to that. They had no interest in that. Of course, that's a different type of of uh, conjugal love, but more uh, as well. Their their love is is involved with uh, and, and depended upon in terms of supporting roles. All of the other the, the, the friends of Krishna, the parents and mother-in-laws, sister-in-laws, servant friends of Krishna, and so on. It should be noted, I said, servant friends, the servants of Krishna in Goloka are all also friends, but they're servant friends. They're kind of... Their friendship is tinged with with uh, some friendliness. So, at any rate, Mahaprabhu came to distribute, make available all these types of love. For those who had potential for that, he's coming to collect them. He gives the full meal, and everyone sits and eats accordingly, according to their taste, their capacity, their hunger, their appetite, their eligibility. So, all of these have our Dasya Sakya Vatsali and Madhurya part of in, in Goloka, these in Braj, I should say, because Goloka has the divisions of Dwarka and Matura and, and the Braj. This development of, actually throughout Goloka, but particularly in Braj, these Sneha, Man, Pranaya, Raghun, Raghbhav, Mahabhav, what Mahaprabhu was mentioning here to Rupa Goswami. So it's in Shantarati, it develops up to, up to Prem in Dasya Bhakti, then it goes through Sneha, Man, Pranay, and Rag. And in Vatsalya Bhakti, in, in Sakya Bhakti, it goes, develops through Sneha, Man, Pranay, Rag, Anurag, in the lower end of Anurag. So there are divisions within these divisions. This is, of course, the wonderful uh, science of we can call it the love of God, such detailed analysis of the psychology of spiritual love has been given by none other than Rupa Goswami, very extraordinary theistic uh, contribution to the, to the religious world. So, and Sakibhav up to the lower end of Anurag, Batsalya up to the higher end of Anurag, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami uh, representing the Goswamis as he does so expertly and accurately in Chaitanya Charitamrita of course makes a, makes a footnote that the particular friends of Krishna who are the Priyanarmas which is the best type of Sakyabhav that develops further Sneha, Man, Pranay, Raganu, Rag, Bhav uh, and uh, and Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says, really, then the difference between Bhav and Mahabhav, although there are divisions within the Mahabhav, many divisions within the Mahabhav, that gopis love uh, 
it comes into that Mahabhav and Radharani's love reaches the zenith of that Mahabhav. We call Adiruddha Madan Mahabhav. There's Rudha Mahabhav, Adiruddha Mahabhav, Adiruddha Madan, Adiruddha, Adiruddha Modan, Adiruddha Mohana, Adiruddha Mohana Modan, Mohana Madana. <laughs> this way, these things have been described in great detail in, in Ujjvalimani. And Rupa Goswami Netbook will, will define that term and then give examples of gopis and cowherds and so forth, exhibiting this. So it's a way of uh, knowing them, kind of getting an emotional handle, so to speak, on on the lila, and and being able to uh, precisely analyze the, the the spiritual emotions of the lila and understand them theoretically, and this way it's. This is largely relative to the Bhava Bhakti for, of course, where this is all cultivated. So, what are they? Sneha, Man, Pranay, Raghunarag, Bhav, Mahabhav. In the subsequent verse, Mahaprabhu says, Yaitche Bij Ikshurasa Gudakhanda Shar. Sharkar Shita Michari Uttum Michari Ar. He gives an example to help us understand them, describing the developments of sugar from cane. So there's the beej, the seed of the sugar cane, and then there's the juice. In the juice, then they take and boil the juice, and this way it's refined. It turns into liquid molasses and it crystallizes into solid molasses and then it's further processed in his example he says into 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 uh, like uh, rock candy and then a lozenger something like that so in this way as you can see as I mentioned earlier all the everything is there and the progressive stages just becomes intensified it's a nice example it's all sugar it's all sweet, but in different stages. And there is a different flavor to different types of sugar. As you, as you know, there's a brown sugar and molasses and so on. And, and the intensity of sweetness. In one sense, the, uh, the, the, the example breaks down because some of the lower stages of, of, its, de- of its development have more taste. Although the crystallized... Uh, what do we call it? Refined sugars is the sweetest, most concentrated and, and sweetest. So this is the idea. Sweeter. So, but all sweet. And this is, when we talk about these type of gradations, and so with one higher than the next, one really has to have the transcendental outlook about it as much as possible, because this is all within the realm of perfection. And what's best for one is best for him. What's best for another is, is, is best for him. But still there's some objective way of looking at it. Although ultimately the subjective reality rules for each individual. So he says, Manpanai, Sneha Manpanai Raghunarag Mahabhav. So 
just in very uh, in, in brief what these are, what these mean. Sneha means affection. So there's a kind of, as opposed to, as I mentioned in Shantarati, there's a, an appreciation of the Lord. In Dasyarati, it crosses over into something, some positive type of affection, causing a, a kind of a nearness. And it's compared to like a lamp lighting in the heart, and one cannot tolerate not being in his presence. In Shantarati, one can tolerate not being in his presence, just meditating upon him. But the Dasya Bhakti cannot... He, he has to sometimes, but he cannot tolerate that. He's, uh, and, and this has developments, two basic developments within it. Grihita-sneha, Madhusneha. Grihita-sneha means like ghee, like butter. Butter is soft, but not sweet. Honey is soft and sweet, madhusneha. So these two divisions, and the, and the difference is that in grihita sneha, there's some sense of what, what, in that type of affection, there's some sense of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. So there's some sense of the, of the lover, of the beloved object and his 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 position. Krishna's word in Madhusneha, there's no sense of what's appropriate or what's what's not appropriate. And in Ujvanilmani a book incidentally, just to give you some perspective on this, as I mentioned, is a sequel to Bhaktarasamitasya and it deals with all these things in detail. A book that Sri Dhammar said, oh, I never read it. It doesn't mean we shouldn't necessarily read it, but he didn't read it. We don't think there's anything lacking in him. Like he said, I'm Sarsli Thakur. At one point, uh, forbade his disciples from reading the book. So he said, I'm not an atheist. Sri Dhammar commenting on this. He said, I believe in following my guru, that everything will come from that. I don't have to necessarily read that book. And there may be a place for service, for reading, for preaching, explaining, and so forth. That's another thing. So I've known a little bit about that book. But um, and nowadays, of course, you know, there's a fair amount of theoretical knowledge around, so you know, for preaching, one has to know the book and tell people why they don't need to know it, why they don't need, don't, why they don't need to read it in their particular stage. There's a lot of intellectual Raganuga people, Ragbhaktas. Raganuga is not really something that we arrive at by the intellect. We arrive at it through practice. Prabhupada gives the example of the child. Within the child is the capacity to walk and run. But at a certain point, he's, in his infancy, he's just crawling on four legs. So there's a capacity for this within us, it'll come out in time through practice. He gives the example, one one wants to wake up early, he's eager to wake up early and go to the Mangalartik. This is, this is a kind of simple example. So it, it helps us to understand the idea, as I'm mentioning, that Raga Bhakti is an affair of the heart. That eagerness that qualifies one for Raga Bhakti is not a cheap thing. So it's not just some intellectual 
adjustment based on acquiring information and so forth and becomes a true rag-bhakta. Rag is characterized from a motive point of view of love without any fear or without any dependence upon human reasoning as to why we should be devotees, any fear of I don't, what will happen to me. Or it's absent in the rag-bhakta. So if we want Raghavagdi, we should practice, not just uh, scan the internet, collect information, and then 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 conclude erroneously that oh, Bhakti Siddhanta he didn't must not have known about Raghavagdi, he, he didn't he didn't tell his disciples not to read Ujjwal Nilmani. Well, he knew very well what that was. He wasn't just opening the door to that to anyone and everyone, but giving the means, the keys to go there through serious spiritual practice. So, in Sneha, then these divisions are there, Grihita Sneha and Madhu Sneha. Grihita Sneha, Ujjbal Niman describes uh, Chandrawali dancing with Krishna, and she puts her, her left arm around him. Oh, and then she thinks, I shouldn't put my left arm, I should put my right arm around him. And Radharani's friends in the, in the watching are laughing at her. Some sense she has, oh, I shouldn't put my left hand, I shouldn't put my right hand. <laughs> Something like that. This is a Grihitasnaya example. Meanwhile, Radharani, she won't hesitate to put a foot on Krishna's head. That is Madhusnaya. So, the man, man is described, or the sneha, I should say, further it comes by touch, by seeing, that, that will awaken the heart by touch of the Lord, by seeing, and by hearing about him. Man, this next stage, man means anger, it means like jealous love, it looks the opposite there's a nice verse from Ujjwal Nilmani. What is that verse? Rupa Goswami says, Love moves in a crooked way. Aheto, heto, aheto. Sometimes by cause, sometimes without cause. So, man is sometimes caused, sometimes not caused. It's jealous love, moves like a snake. Here, i prema bhavet. Snake moves in a crooked way. So when he's talking about love moving in a crooked way, he's talking about this man. Because it looks like, we say in English parlance, lovers quarrel. But when lovers are quarreling, don't get in the middle of that. You'll be the one who <laughs> they both end up not liking. Because it's a sign, an expression of their love. The idea is that without love, there can be no jealousy. So jealousy has connection with love. It's, a, it's, an exp- it's an expression of love. Fear also, a higher kind of fear. The, the, without the fear of the, lo- of the without love, there cannot be the fear of the loss of of one's love. So there's the, that kind of fear is there in love, and there's jealousy, and this jealousy is attractive. Even in the ordinary world, when a man finds oh his wife's a little jealous. He finds that humorous. She can't find it humorous at all. He finds it quite charming. And Mahi might even he might even provoke it. 
really, in doing so, of course, his love is only for her, but he makes it appear as if he has some attraction to a, to another. So, this man is fully developed, of course, in in Radha. It's there only in a, in a there's two forms of it. One form is exhibited in Chandravali's love. Another full form, full face of that in Radha's love. With regard to conjugal love, which is the principal subject of Ujjmalamani, where these things are described, as I mentioned in some detail. So Maan is that that jealous love. There are many examples of that, and Krishna is very charmed by it. It comes by hearing, by seeing. You may see Krishna consorting with another. That may bring it out by hearing about it from another. Or by some evidence found somewhere, some note written on a leaf attached to a tree. So, so, some, some evidence, some uh, rouge or something, like a lipstick, that's a crude example. Man comes home with someone else's lipstick on his handkerchief. Evidence. This will cause a mom. So in the Leela there are different instances of such evidence. But it's very pleasing to Krishna, this man, and to, and to Radha. So sneha, man, pranai. Pranai, pranai's general meaning is love. Pranai is a sense where vish, uh, vishramba means comes. Vishramba is, is the root of sakibhav equality, a kind of oneness, not like oneness between jiva and brahman advocated by the monists, but a oneness in love that, where the lover, where the friend of Krishna, for example, loves Krishna so much identified with him that whatever his likes become Krishna's friend's likes. Whatever Krishna's dislikes, he's totally identified with those dislikes. He's so identified with Krishna, therefore, he doesn't hesitate to put his foot on Krishna's body. Just like if you're very close with someone, then you, and you don't hesitate to touch them in any place. But if you walk down the street and somebody touches you, you go like that. Oh. So there's a kind of identification in love. As much as we say love requires two, it requires also the two becoming one. Love requires two, love requires one. So, so, it's a, so it's a dynamic kind of oneness or identity. And this is this is this Vishishramba, confidence. It's a, it's a, it's very much is a root characterizes the, the Sakyabhav. Pranayad and Rag. Rag means attachment. The principal characteristic of this this kind of rag, and these terms, of course, are used in different ways. You find rag is used, we've heard, in a general sense it's used, in a material sense it's used, it means attachment, it's a bad thing. Rag in a general sense means attachment. Rag within praying, we're talking about here. This is characterized by the, the devotees seeing, for example, circumstances that are very unfavorable or very unhappy as happy if they result in having the darshan of Krishna within the Leela. And circumstances that are ordinarily very happy, identifying them as being unhappy if they result in separation. If Radharani hears that Krishna is just on the other side of Govardhan Hill, she'll climb the hill barefooted on the sharp stones which are hot 
from the sun scorching, giving pain to her heat, but it feels like like nectar to her. Just standing on the sharp or hot stone, looking over, she can have the darshan of Krishna. This is these these kinds of examples. They you can just understand they don't really convey the feeling. The experience is only going to be conveyed to you when you go there. Just some general outline idea is 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 given. These all these concepts are are practically impossible to explain. As love itself is impossible to, to really explain, you have to experience it. So then, anurag is it, it is the development of that rag. And anurag, the principal characteristics is that Krishna looks fresh and new at every moment, as if I've never seen him before. And then, so many developments within that within anurag also. As I mentioned, the Sakibhav goes to the lower end of anurag and the general vatsalya bhakti to the higher end of Anurag. And then comes Bhav and Mahabhav. These things, we can't really talk about them practically. Some examples are, are, are given, of course, but they're very... Intensification of, of Anurag is Bhav. Intensification of that Bhav. This is Bhav within Prem, not the Bhav that is prerequisite to Prem, as we described earlier. Intensification of that is is the Mahabhava. Mahabhava, as I said, has different divisions in union and separation, Ruda, Ani, Ruda, and then in union and separation. And it's a kind of a uh, kind of a madness. So this way, Mahabhava has uh, explained that there are uh, developments uh, within Prem, and as I mentioned, it's all relative to the kind of love that he came to give. This is primarily what he's teaching Rupa Goswami is about. So we'll stop there. Any question? Are there also books that describe the developments within the, the Bhav of, of Prem? They said that there's a stage Bhav in Prem, and so are, is there a book that describes these developments? Yeah, it's also there in Ujbal Nilamani. There's some, some examples, divisions, but we, we ran out of time now. These things are also described in secular literature, of course, where Rupa Goswami's terms come from. Secular rasa theory is the psychology of the psychology of, of love and art and drama is all explained. He used that as a framework to explain the idea that Brahman is rasa. Rasa Vaisa, he is rasa. And when he say he is rasa, he says that rasa means Krishna. Krishna is is the is the rasaraj, the full embodiment of sacred aesthetic rapture, rasananda. So the terms come largely from from there. Maybe some he's added and so forth. So you can also study Rashastra, books like Sahitya Dalpana and these kind of things describe all these terms. And then Rupa Goswami teaches how to apply them within the Leela. You said that um, in this life you could reach all the way to Prem. Mm-hmm. Now, you said there's further developments within Prem, but then what is this Prem that you attain? What What is the, the furthest reach of this lifetime? What is that Prem? What are the... Well, the characteristic of Prem is that... Um, 
Well, its basic characteristic is that, is that it's devoid of any material, any any selfishness. It's the opposite of sense gratification. But it, it's it's it, it's uh, it means that what it means is relative to our sampradaya is that one has realized is is in, in a stage called swarup siddhi. Swarup siddhi means he's perfected his swarup. So he's stepped out of his material identification in his bhajan and enters into that uh, identity. And uh, all anarthas are gone. The bhava has been cultivated and combined with the various ingredients of rasa in such a way as to experience the heightened emotion of, of rasa, which is a combination of the different bhavas, vibhav, anubhav, sanchari-bhav, sattvika-bhav, stai-bhav, combined together, a proper com- combining of those samagiri, those ingredients, causes rasa. So he attains the, the exalted state of rasa. And then, because his body won't it won't sadhakadeha won't isn't suitable to handle the psychic or well spiritual energy of that brain. Like Mahabrabhu, his body was undergoing so many contortions and so forth. So he gets another. He he takes birth in that that identity that he's fully absorbed in that spiritual identity. He takes birth in that identity within Krishna Lila. And there it's further cultivated. It's like this. To give it a crude example. The pain means that you... Sadhana Bhakti is like high school football. If you do high school football really good, you get a scholarship to play college football. And if you play college football really well, then you get drafted by the pros. So then it was pain. But still you're sitting on the bench. You're sitting on the bench, observing the lila, identifying, projecting yourself into that identity. And then you take birth in Krishna lila, and you're called off the bench to play in the lila. And you're associated with all the pro bowl players there, in their company, you, 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 you learn some practical things that, that you couldn't pick up otherwise. And then you go to Goloka when, when the Leela uh, becomes a manifest. Something like that. So practically speaking, when... when uh... So you got, the, you got the paycheck, you got your million dollar, whatever it is, salary, everything. You were the first, you know, draft choice for the team, but uh, you haven't been called on the field to play yet. But this person who's in, who's in Prima can't relate, uh, can't relate well on a practical level, so they, is this when they have to pull themselves back to a, a lower level of development in order to relate and do preaching and things like this? Right, yeah, the Uttamadikari, like that, will have to, have to bring himself, uh, arrest that. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and control that 
to uh, relate with us. But at a certain point, you can't, you can't be controlled. That's what we call death for such a person. You can't be controlled. And Krishna wants him in the Leela more than he wants him to preach about the Leela. He's become so dear to Krishna. Krishna won't let him stay here any longer. This idea. Okay, so we have to stop now for our take. Chaitanya Chaitamrita Gita.